You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the Gospel according to John, John chapter 20. We'll begin at verse 11 as we continue looking at the Easter story. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11, where John writes, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I send you. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we're so grateful for your holy word and for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church, so I pray that this will be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Hope. What a precious gift that God has given to us from Easter Sunday. Hope. Easter validates that we can go through difficult times in our lives knowing that Whatever we're going through is not the end of the story. Hope. Hope is validated by Easter. And when I talk about Easter hope, I'm not talking about some kind of superficial hope or some kind of denial. Let's just pretend that difficult things are not really happening. Easter hope recognizes that Good Friday was real, that dark times are real. But Easter hope reminds us that Good Friday is not the end of the story. That things didn't end with a cross, but rather with the story of a resurrected Lord. 
There's so much happening in our world today. It's very easy for us to get down. It's easy for us to get depressed. It's easy for us, if we're not careful, to actually fall into despair. We listen to the news. It's it's often depressing, and we seem to understand that bad news sells better than good news, and so there tends to be a focus on, on negativity. Politicians have learned, for example, that in spite of the fact they may want to share their positive message, here's where I want to go, saying something negative about an opponent, that sells better, that gets more attention. We will pay more attention to those things. When we hear so much negativity over and over and over and we see it in our world, we can get anxious. We can get depressed. And anxiety, it's an issue for all of us if we're honest about it. We deal with anxiety now more than ever from all ages of adults to youth to children. We all deal with it. I deal with it. We, we can deal with so many things. There are so many things that are outside of our control that it's hard for us sometimes to figure out how are we going to get through it. We worry about our family. We worry about the people in our church family. We worry about our friends. There, there are people who've experienced difficult times that we care about. We may be going through those difficult times ourselves. There are people who've lost loved ones and are struggling with grief. There are families that are in crisis. There are individuals that are in crisis. There's so much division in, in our country these days. It just seems like we're not really a United States. We're a people who it's an us and them kind of environment. And unfortunately, we tend to hear more finger pointing about the they than we do the celebrating that there's an us and a we. And together it can be overwhelming. Uh, the beginning of Easter Sunday was... Still kind of a dark period of time. Because the word of the day in John chapter 20 was that the tomb was empty and the assumption was they have taken the body of our Lord. The initial assumption was not a message of hope or, or victory or thanks be to God, but was again fear it was, it was a sense of agony. How in the world could someone do this? They've already crucified Jesus. They had humiliated Jesus. How could someone take the body of our Lord? Grave robbing was something that was well known during the time. But, but this seems to be worse because the body is absolutely missing now. What's going on here? And Mary Magdalene, who arrived early at the tomb... And then realize they've taken our Lord, it seems, runs and tells the disciples. The disciples have come. Peter and John, they've looked in. Now they've returned home. Mary Magdalene was standing outside the tomb weeping. It's no wonder she had experienced so much. She had followed Jesus. She loved Jesus. She also was very close to Jesus' mother, Mary. And we know that she was with her during the crucifixion. John tells us that Mary Magdalene was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other women standing near the cross as Jesus was dying. While Jesus was dying, she was shedding tears of her own. She also heard the wailing of Jesus' mother. I mean, no parent should have to watch their child die, especially 
like that. And you know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was sobbing. And I can imagine Mary Magdalene in her own tears was wrapping her arms around her friend, trying to hold her as well at the same time. And she actually heard as well Jesus say, it is finished. Mary Magdalene watched as Jesus died. And I imagine that Mary Magdalene escorted Mary, the mother of Jesus, to the tomb when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, according to John, takes Jesus to the tomb. Saturday was Sabbath, so the women couldn't do what they normally would do, and that would be to go to the tomb of a loved one and try to anoint the body and, and show honor and respect to the one who had died. They were not able to do it right after Jesus had been crucified because of the Passover and the beginning of Sabbath as well. So it's the first day of the week, early in the morning. She gets there. Again, the assumption is they've taken our Lord after the disciples had left, Mary stood there weeping. I've always found it interesting, the question of the angels to Mary. Seems a little bit a little bit inconsiderate, a little bit heartless when they look at Mary and they say, Why are you weeping? Kind of expected Mary to go, Hello, it's a tomb. Hello, we just witnessed the death of somebody we love. Somebody that we love was buried in this tomb, and now he's missing. What do you mean? Why am I weeping? How could I be doing anything other than weeping? And she turns around, sees someone standing there, assumes that he's the gardener. If you've taken him, tell me where you've laid him. Jesus looked at her and goes, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Again, you... She must have thought initially, seriously, why am I weeping? Are you kidding me? Isn't that kind of common when we go to a graveyard? Isn't it common when we go to the tomb of someone we love, especially if they've just died in such a heinous way and now the tomb is empty? What do you expect me to be doing? But Jesus then calls her name, Mary. She realizes he's alive, and all of a sudden we see her weeping turn to joy. And after Jesus tells her, now go and tell the disciples, when she goes and finds him, she is celebrating that, that horror of the day. The first time she ran to the disciples, it was in horror and agony and grief and pain and despair. They've taken the body of the Lord. And the next time she goes, it is totally different. It is, I have seen the risen Lord. She now had Easter hope, Easter joy, sorrow turned to joy. And then when the disciples are gathered, I find it interesting because it's later in the day. Mary had already told them in the morning that she had seen the risen Lord. Did you notice they're still, even with that information that they had heard from Mary, they're still locked in a house for fear of the Jews. I mean, the story of the resurrection had not really sunk in at this point. 
It wasn't really hope yet and joy yet and expectation yet. There was still fear and Jesus stands upon them or among them and, and, and Jesus says, peace be with you, shows them his hand, his side, and we're told they rejoice when they see the risen Lord. They've gone from agony, despair, confusion, chaos, fear to joy. Easter hope does that for us. It allows our grief and pain, our despair, our agony, and even our fear to be turned into joy. When we have hope, life changes. Now, again, Easter hope recognizes that there was nothing darker than Good Friday there was nothing darker to the disciples and to Mary than the closing of Jesus' tomb and, and, and seeing it sealed shut. There was nothing darker and, and with more despair than Saturday, that whole day of, of waiting to be able to go to the tomb. It was a Sabbath where you worship God at the same time with the confusion. I just want to get to the tomb. It was a dark time, but Thanks be to God, praise be to God, there was Easter Sunday. Good Friday was not the end of the story. Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian who spent a lot of time working with developing the theology of hope, he says that faith ties a person to the crucified Jesus. So hope opens up this faith to an all-embracing future of the risen Christ. Hear that again. Faith ties a person to the crucified Christ. So hope opens up this faith to the all-embracing future of the risen Christ. Biblical hope, Christian hope, Easter hope, is not simply wishful thinking. We do not have some kind of Pollyanna faith. I mean, we recognize the crucifixion, it was real. That cross, the crosses that we wear, it was a symbol of heinousness and cruelty. Good Friday was real. Good Friday was painful. Good Friday was dark. But Easter hope... Easter hope shares with us the joy of resurrection. Easter hope does not negate the reality and the pain of Good Friday. Remember this, when Jesus was raised from the dead, remember when he appears to the disciples in the scripture we just read, he still had scars. He shows them his hands and his side. Resurrection does not negate the crucifixion. Resurrection and Easter hope does not negate the difficult times that we find ourselves going through. The risen Christ still had scars. Or as my professor in the past, Fred Craddock, shared, he is risen yet wounded. The wounds were real. But Easter announced that Good Friday again is not the last word. It's not the end of the story. So when we hear that and we hear this message of hope, there's still a recognition that darkness is real. And some of us, some of you, 
maybe going through a time of darkness right now. Most all of us have had a time of darkness and difficulty in our life at some point. But we're Easter people. And with the joy of the resurrection, with the hope of resurrection, we now, even in the midst of dark times, have the option of going through that valley of the shadow of death, as David says in the psalm, or going through those dark, difficult times, our Good Friday times in our lives. We have the option of going through those with despair or with hope, with pain and agony and devastation, or with hope. See, our world, it seems that it's in a crisis to where a lot of people need to hear the joy of Easter hope, and we've been given this gift. It's one of the reasons Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to share this good news, is because the world needs to hear it. I mean, just some evidence of that is, did you know that the suicide rate between 2000 and 2018 increased by 37%? Now, between 18 and 20, there was a slight dip of almost 5%, but now the rates have already returned back just about to the peak rates. What that means is every 11 minutes in the United States... Someone takes their own life. Every 11 minutes. Just think how long we've been joining together in worship today and how many times 11 minutes has already occurred. There's despair in the world, but we're Easter people and we have the joy of hope and we need to be sharing this message of hope. Again, not denial, but hope that gets us through challenging times. Studies have shown that teenagers, for teenagers, hope is absolutely vital. Dr. Adam Stern, who's a medical doctor, wrote an article with the Harvard Medical School's publication. And there he writes and says that among teens, hope is linked with health, quality of life, self-esteem, and a sense of purpose. He said it is an essential factor for developing both maturity and resilience. We have this opportunity to share with our young people a message of hope that no matter what they're going through in their world, that's not the end of the story, that we have a God who gets us through Good Friday, through the valley, and into celebration and resurrection. Dr. Stern goes on to say, hope can be an opportunity for us to process events that seem insurmountable. There may be something in our life that just seems greater than anything we can imagine, a hill too high to climb, a valley too deep to get through, a time too dark to manage. But hope can be an opportunity for us to process events that seem insurmountable. Hebrews puts it this way. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11.1 said, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. See, hope and faith are interconnected. Many of us talk about our faith, but hope and faith go together. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. John Piper, the pastor, put it this way. He said, hope is faith in the future tense. 
hope is faith in the future tense. He goes on to say biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Jeremiah, the prophet, was writing to a people who had been taken into captivity. It was his own people. That's why he was known as the weeping prophet. It was painful for him to share the messages. In the first part of, of Jeremiah, he's sharing with them, this is the destruction that's coming. This is the darkness that's coming. These are the hard times that you're about to go through. But then there's a turn to a message of hope. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says these words to the people of God, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. This was written to a people who were going through captivity and exile, removed from their loved ones, removed from their lands in an unknown place with unknown gods and worship and, and challenging times. And God said, I have a, a future for you with hope. In Hebrews chapter 6, again in verse 11, we have the writer of Hebrews going, and we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The Catholic Pope, Pope Benedict XVI, said that the one who has hope lives differently. He goes on to say, to come to know God, the true God, means to receive hope. So my prayer for you today is that you will receive and experience Easter hope. You may be celebrating right now. This may be a time in your life that is an Easter Sunday kind of time in your life. It's, it, this may be one of the greatest times. All is well. Life is wonderful. Life is great. And I celebrate that with you. For others of us, it may be that right now is a, a challenging time, a difficult time in our lives. There are things that seem insurmountable to us. It seems like we've gone through a time of darkness. We seem to be hung up in Good Friday. But again, Easter hope recognizes that Good Friday is not the end of the story. And when we know there's resurrection, and when we know because of Easter that all the promises of God are validated, then we can have hope that God will get us through whatever it is. Hear the good news. If God loved you enough to die for you, He loves you far too much to ever abandon you, and He will walk with you through the darkness into a time of celebration and victory from sorrow and grief and pain and fear to a time of celebration of resurrection.
When Paul was wrapping up his letter to the church at Rome in the book of Romans, known as Paul's masterpiece, in Romans 15, verse 13, he says these words, and I share these with you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray God's hope, Easter hope for you. Amen.